are listening to Meet and Write, a podcast that dives into liturgical worship and how communion really begins after church. Well, welcome to another episode of Meet and Write. I'm very excited because we are recording live here in Corpus Christi. Um, actually, I'm doing my 40 days in the monastery. Uh, this is Father Nathaniel Gerges, the artist formerly known as Michael. Uh, so very happy uh, to be here. It's such a blessing to be here. My first time here at the monastery. Uh, and we're, I'm very happy and super blessed to have with us on today's episode, Father Daniel Ava Moses, uh, who's been a good friend of mine back in the day. Um, so we're uh, happy to have you here, Father, and uh, we're just here to kind of pick your brain and just want to throw out to you uh, if you can tell us and our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, well, first, thank you so much. It's my blessing uh, to be on this uh, podcast, um, and I thank all the people for giving me an opportunity to spend time with them through this podcast, and I pray that God uh, blesses our time together. So um, I initially uh, grew up in Florida. Uh, I wasn't born in the Orthodox Church, um, but I grew up in a little town called Sarasota, which is about one hour south of Tampa, uh, and I stayed there until I was 18. Um, and then when it was time to go to college, I went to college in uh, the capital of Florida, which is Tallahassee. Um, now, prior to going to college, uh, I grew up uh, Christian, but I was uh, non-denominational, which is a branch of Protestantism. Uh, my mother raised me in that, and we would go to church uh, consistently on Sundays. Um, and when I went to college in Tallahassee, um, I began to drift away from the church in my initial years because uh, one aspect of the um, church that I was a part of prior to becoming Orthodox, um, one aspect that was not beneficial is that I could not find a sister church or uh, a church that was similar to it easily in Tallahassee. So part of the benefit of uh, an Orthodox church is that it seems as though any city that you go to, you can find a Coptic church there, or a Russian Orthodox church, or an Armenian Orthodox church, or an Ethiopian Orthodox church, or some Orthodox church uh, that is extremely similar to the Orthodox church that you would attend in your hometown. So when I went to college, uh, part of the drawback was that I couldn't find a church that meshed well with me that was very similar to the church that I was attending back in my hometown. So I stopped going to college and so, or, pardon me, stopped going to church for my first um, approximately three years in college. Um, and then uh, during those years, I continued to um, drift away from God and just be involved in the normal things that a, uh, a secular college youth would be involved in. And I just uh, kept getting drawn farther and farther away from God by the devil. Um, and at one point, God put the thought into my mind to think of my future and think about my eternal life and where I'm going to end up. So thankfully, as I mentioned earlier, my mom raised me um, in the uh, Christian faith. Um, and so I already had in my mind some basic fundamentals of, okay, if you live according to God's commandments, heaven is your inheritance. And if you don't, uh, hell is going to be your inheritance. So those thoughts came into my mind of, okay, based on how I'm living, um, I'm not living the right way, I'm doing all the things that, you know, God explicitly tells me not to do in his commandments, and his gospels. Um, so I had this deep feeling in my gut that I was not going to be going to heaven, that I was going to be going to the, the wrong place, to hell, where everyone doesn't want to go. So I, I had this fear of where I'm going to end up 
um, once I depart from this world. And that kind of prompted me to self-examination and that self-examination confirmed that yes, indeed, the way you're living your life, that's not gonna end you up in the right place. And so I began to think to myself, I need to change the way I'm living because I don't wanna end up in hell. So I need to go back to my Christian roots and figure out what it is that God wants me to do so that I can avoid hell and spend eternal life in heaven. So once I said, okay, I need to figure out what it is that God wants me to do, I said to myself, okay, what's the easiest way to find out what God wants you to do? That's to read his commandments in the Holy Bible. And through reading those, I will get direct instruction from God of do this, don't do that. So I began to read the Bible on a daily basis. I would read, um, I believe I remember reading one chapter in the Old Testament and one chapter in the New Testament every night before I went to sleep. And again, I just did that for the sake of, I want to expose myself to his words so that his commandments can sink into my mind and I can have a clear picture of what it is that I need to do and what it is that I need to avoid. Well, Father, when you were doing that, was there anyone in your life, in your social circle, or anyone that kind of helped trigger that? Or was it just like this this gut feeling of like, you know, where's my eternal life gonna be right now? So actually for me, it was just purely uh, this, the latter. It was a, a gut feeling of where am I going to end up in my eternal life based on how I'm acting. Um, I did not have, um, as, in, as is the case with many other people, I did not have um, a person that was in my life zealously encouraging me to read the Bible and study it deeply and um, live a life of repentance. Not to say that my family, you know, wasn't supportive of me living a, a good moral life, but at that point um, they were not orthodox, so the, the mindset was more um, of just, you know, you go to church on Sunday and you're with God for those couple of hours and then outside of church, you know, don't kill anyone and don't steal and you're doing a, that should, you know, be a pretty good job and you should be on track. So for me, it was just the gut feeling of the way that I'm leading my life is not good. Mm -hmm. I know where it's going to end me up and I need to change the way I'm living and I need to read the Bible to figure out how I need to change to be able to make it to heaven. Gotcha. So um, I began, like I mentioned, I began reading the Bible on a regular basis every night before I went to bed, and that brought in a new problem of I would read the Bible, but of course there were verses and things that I did not understand. Um, for example, um, we are told that we are to love others and we are to love ourselves, but also Christ tells us that if we don't hate our mother and father and brother and sister or even ourselves, uh, uh, and love God more than we love each other, that we can't be his disciples. So I had these um, incons seemingly inconsistent verses uh, being introduced to me through my reading, and I didn't understand, okay, how can I hate myself and hate others, but at the same time love others? I need to have this reconciled so that I can understand what it is I need to be doing. So that prompted me to think and understand that I need a Bible study to go to. I need some means of interpreting my readings so that I can have a firm, clear understanding of what it is that I'm reading. 
and through clearly grasping what it is that I read, then I can go and apply it because you can't apply that which you do not understand. Yeah. So I said to myself, okay, I need to clearly understand these verses, so I need to find a Bible study. Then that prompted me to yet another dilemma of where do I find a Bible study and where can I go to attend a Bible study? And the obvious answer is that you would go to a church and at a church you would have a Bible study. So then the goal was find a church I can go to that has a Bible study so that attending the Bible study, I can get a clear understanding of what it is that I'm reading and having a clear understanding of what it is that I'm reading, I can then go and apply that in my life, change my life, live according to how God wants me to live and through his mercy, inherit his kingdom and live with him eternally in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. So the task at hand then was, okay, find a church to go to to attend a Bible study. But then the big dilemma was, okay, what church do I go to? So I remember when I was growing up, it wasn't super common, but it wasn't rare. It was kind of right in the middle. You'd hear it every once in a while on uh, the news stations that, you know, a pastor was caught drunk down at a bar or, you know, this uh, minister was embezzling money or, uh, you know, a leader of the church had an inappropriate relationship with one of his congregants. So you would hear about these leaders that <clears throat> were having struggles themselves and that were not leading correctly and carrying out their office correctly. So I had in my mind this idea of, yes, I want to go to church, but at the same time, how do I figure out what church to go to? I don't want to place my hands, my life into the hands of a person that might guide me in the wrong direction. Mm. So, and, and the other aspect um, that I was also thinking about is, how do I know that this person has a better understanding of the verse that I'm questioning than myself? You know, how do I know that they're going to give me the correct interpretation? I, I could, they could be totally off and I might not realize it or know it. So I, I had this dilemma now of I want to go to church, I want to attend a Bible study, but how do I pick what church to go to? Mm. Um, and an, another variable that got thrown in there was I began to consider, okay, each church that I was considering had its inception at some point in time initiated by a human. So if you look at all the, the branches of Christianity that are not the Orthodox Church, mm -hmm. their faith, which is different from the Orthodox faith in varying degrees, their faith, which is different, was instituted by a human being at some point. So again, that ties back into how do I know that that person has the right idea? You know, how do I know that, you know, John Smith or whoever in the 1800s or the 1700s or the early 2000s, how do I know that when they establish their version, quote unquote, or branch of, of Christianity, how do I know that they were correct in how they established it? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to go to a church, but at the same time, I didn't feel comfortable with any of my options in front of me because every church that I was considering, I looked at and I said, okay, well, yes, this is Christianity, but at some point a human established this church through his understanding of his perception of Christianity. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go to a Bible study and I wanted to attend a church, but I couldn't find one that I was comfortable with. So I just began praying and I asked God, guide me in the direction that you want me to go. You've started me on this path of self-reflection and uh, self-examination and, and seeing that I'm not living my life the right way. And 
feeling this conviction that, yes, I need to change my life. I need to live the way that God wants me to live. You've started me on this path. Please continue to guide me in the path that you want me to go. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically praying and asking God. This was before I became Orthodox, and I understood, like, um, before I even understood Orthodox concepts. So I remember asking God, please give me the relationship that, um, you know, St. Moses the prophet had with you, and give me, I want to have the deepness and the closeness with you that the apostles had with you. Um, not even realizing at that point, um, as I do now, that Christianity is a living relationship with God, but God was guiding me to pray for that at that time. So I was asking for that, and I was also um, wishing in my heart, I remember saying to myself, I wish I had the option that the early Christians had in, you know, the early 100 ADs. You know, if someone wanted to become Christian in 130 AD, it was not difficult like how it is now in our contemporary time. Why? Because someone would just say, okay, I want to be Christian. What church do I go to? Okay, there's only one church. So I just go down to that church, wherever it is, and I tell the priest I would like to become Christian. They initiate me into the mysteries. They educate me. I get baptized, and I'm part of the church. But nowadays, it's much harder because you have so many different versions or branches of Christianity. It makes it hard to distinguish which one should I go with versus versus which one should I uh, avoid. So I began also praying and asking God, um, you know, I wish I had the original teachings of the Orthodox Church. Again, not knowing that they existed and, and not knowing that I should call that original church the Orthodox Church, but just having this idea in my mind that, you know, Obviously, early Christians gathered together, and they worshiped God, and they grew together, and surely they had to document some of uh, their experiences, whether it's the history of the church or whether it's, you know, spirituality, and, oh, hey, this is, these are good practical ways to make sure I can pray often throughout the day, or whether it's commenting on Scripture. You know, I, I was positive that I wasn't the first one to read St. Paul's epistle to the Romans and say, what did he just say? So surely they also said that back in ancient times. And so I was praying, asking God, you know, I wish I could find commentary of the early Christians who said, you know what, I don't understand what St. Paul wrote, so I'm going to go visit him. I'm going to take this next weekend. I'm going to take off from work. I'm going to go visit him and say, what did you mean in Romans, you know, in this paragraph? I didn't get it. And, you know, St. Paul would explain it to them. And so I was wishing I had something like that, not realizing that it existed. Hmm. So I'm I'm saying all these different prayers and, and requests to God. Uh, and I was praying and, and reading the Bible for about one year. And then um, during my third year of college, uh, spring semester, I remember coming out of either a class or an exam, and there were a group of Coptic youth that were standing together. And um, at this point, I had been um, introduced to them, and I knew them because it was my first professional year of my program. So we'd studied together uh, occasionally, or we at least knew each other from the class. But I didn't have a, a deep, intimate relationship with them you know, outside of school, and I didn't really know them well. So I saw the group of them standing together, and I saw one of them, um, she had a, a cross necklace on. So I asked her, I said, are you Christian? And she said, yes, I'm Christian, I'm Coptic Orthodox. She asked me, are you Christian? And I remember saying, yes, I am, but I fell out of my relationship with God, and I'm trying to get back into it. I'm trying to spark up my relationship with God again. Um, And I've been reading the Bible, but it's difficult because um, I don't really understand it that much. And there are things in it that I need clarity on, but I can't find a Bible study to go to um, and a church that I feel comfortable with. And um, that's when someone else in the group chimed in and said, hey, listen, we do Bible study once a week 
at the house of one of the youth. Why don't you stop by? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, and he also took that opportunity to mention, hey, you're looking for, you know, the original teachings of the church. Well, that's exactly what our church is. The Coptic Orthodox Church was founded by St. Mark, the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. So he came, being a disciple of Christ, he came to Egypt and brought with him all the teachings from Christ himself, and he passed down all the teachings of Christ, and those have been passed down from generation to generation throughout our church. Mm. So um, hearing those things... Um, from them made me feel comfortable that, okay, this is where God wants me to go. I look at it basically as I'm a hungry, starving person saying, hey, I wish I had a meatball sub, and someone comes by and says, hey, open your hands. I have a meatball sub in my hand that I want to give you. It was exactly what I was looking for, what I was praying for, so I didn't have any um, reservations about attending this Bible study or about the Coptic Orthodox Church. Mm. I just felt like this is where God wants me to go. This is what I was asking for, so I'm going to go. Yeah. So, <clears throat> as I mentioned, I was invited to the Bible study. I remember going to the first Bible or the first Bible study that I went to. I remember it very clearly, um, and I enjoyed it very much. Um, it was exactly what I was looking for. It was youth that, that are on fire for God, and they're zealous about learning His Word and living His Word. Um, but at the same time, they're not so out of it that, like, you know, society looks at them and, and they're like, oh, who are these weird people that, you know, don't fit in at all and that are strange? And, like, you know, they're not walking around with, you know, tissue boxes for shoes. Like, they fit in, but at the same time, they keep everything godly. So I really like that, that, you know, uh, y- you can be part of contemporary society while keeping God integrated into your life. So Mm -hmm. I saw that, and that was something that I respected and that I wanted myself. And also I just saw the camaraderie, that they were like a giant family um, and that they had very close bonds with one another. Um, It was a very big group. So from the first Bible study, um, I was hooked, and I went to all the subsequent Bible studies after that. Um, And so that was the spring semester of my third year. So for the summer before my fourth year in college, I stayed up in Tallahassee doing uh, summer school to work ahead and get classes out of the way for my fourth year. And some other friends of mine stayed up in Tallahassee as well. And while we were attending summer classes that uh, during uh, that summer session, I continued to attend the Bible study. And then I also slowly began to add in the other church activities. So uh, we also had a youth meeting that was on Friday. Uh, and we, I would attend that, and then afterwards we would go out and eat as a giant church family, and we had a wonderful time. Uh, and then I also added in evening raising of incense on Saturday, as well as the midnight praises after that. Mm. And then uh, finally, by the end of uh, that summer, I was also attending the Divine Liturgy, so that when fall semester of my fourth year in college started, I was attending those four different activities, Bible study, youth meeting, evening raising of incense, and then the divine liturgy. And so that year, the fourth year of college for me, um, I continued to be active in all those different um, activities, um, and I was consistent in them. Um, I also kind of filtered uh, the people that I surrounded myself with and that I hung out with, and I mainly just tried to um, keep myself around uh, the Orthodox Christians, the cops that were in my uh, program, uh, so that I would have good godly influences around me and the, uh, that would it would keep me on track and focused in the right direction. Hmm. And so I continued to attend all the different services um, and I went to different conventions. Um, and so by the end, 
coming towards the end of my fourth year in college, March of 2007, um, I decided that this is the church that I wanted to be a part of and I wanted to be integrated into it permanently. So I asked my father of confession for uh, his blessing to get baptized and he agreed. And so I got baptized in uh, 2007. And uh, from that point on, obviously I'm able to interact uh, in the church in a more intimate way. You can take communion um, and you can receive the power and the grace that comes from the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So uh, that was, uh, like I mentioned, March 2007. After that, I continued to go through uh, the last two years of college, my fourth, uh, pardon me, my fifth and sixth year. I continued to attend all the different um, activities that the church offered. I also had the blessing of taking a group trip, a group service trip to Egypt in 2007, summer of 2007. It was amazing. It was one of the best group trips that I've taken in my life. And it was a big blessing because a lot of the uh, people from Tallahassee, which I commonly refer to as my Tally family. So a lot of the Tally family went on that 2007 group trip and we had a wonderful time. We stayed for about a month in Egypt, visiting various different locations and taking the blessing of uh, different monasteries and churches and seeing different sites and also at the same time ministering and serving to those who needed to be served. And I'm assuming it was on that trip that the seed was planted of the ascetic life or, or that was somehow running through your mind at that point. Yes, so obviously being in Egypt we visited many 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 different monasteries um, and truly indeed uh, it had a profound effect on me seeing uh, these monks leading uh, a life of intimacy with God alone in the monastery, cut off from the world and just focusing on their relationship with him alone, that really um, impacted me. And so, yes, my trip to Egypt in 2007 definitely um, helped start the thought process in my mind of, hey, this might be an option for me that, you know, maybe I should live the monastic life and finish my schooling and um, go to the monastery and live a life alone with God in the monastery. So once I graduated college, um, I worked for about one year. Um, and during that one year uh, where I was out and working, um, I was praying and taking the guidance of my father confession as far as what the next step in my life should be. Um, and, you know, I, I was advised to leave both options on the table. Don't look and say, you know, I'm only going to get married. That's the only option for me. Or, you know, I'm only going to go to the monastery and I'm not going to pay attention to any uh, women that God might bring into my life. I was advised to leave both options open and just pray and say, God, whatever way you want me to go, please make that clear for me. If you want me to be married, I'm happy to go down that path. If you want me to go down the monastic life, go down the path to the monastic life, I'm happy to submit to that. But I was advised to just not make up my mind on either one, but leave it up to God and be aware of which direction he is moving me towards. So mm -hmm. I did that. And at the end of that year, um, I felt that God was guiding me towards the monastic life. So I took the blessing of my father confession um, and I took the blessing of uh, his grace, Bishop Yusuf, who is the bishop of the diocese that I am currently in and that I was in at that time. I took their blessing to come to the monastery. So I, I left the world uh, June 2010, June 30th, 2010. Mm -hmm. I arrived at the monastery. Um, and from that point on, I've been here in the monastery and um, 
you know, obviously going through the different phases of you initially start at the monastery just as a layman and you live in the community of the monastery as a layman for a period of time. Then uh, Satan ordained me or dressed me as a brother and you live as a brother testing yourself for a brief period of time. And then uh, once uh, your father confession feels that you're ready, he ordains you into the monastic life and then you are ordained a monk. So I was uh, ordained a monk uh, January 26th, 2012. And so I've just been here in the monastery ever since. Well, wow, it's great, Father, to hear how God has like worked through you through this entire story to see how God has brought you to this point and, and how clear he has been kind of leading you on this path. Well, Father, I really appreciate your time and taking the time to talk to us today um, about your story and how Christ has worked through you. What we would love to do is that the next episode, Father, we would love to have you and kind of talk about asceticism. Like a lot of us think in our head, oh, asceticism just belongs to the people wearing black and just people like in the desert, and that's like that's them. It has nothing to do with us. But in reality, asceticism is is a component to our spiritual health for all of us. Uh, so we'd love to have you next time, Father, uh, to kind of dive into that subject. Yes, absolutely. God willing, uh, on the next episode, uh, we can talk about asceticism and how asceticism is a necessary component of every Christian's life, not just those who are ordained to a clerical rank or those who are living in the monastery, but it is an essential component of every Christian's life. Thank you, Father. You have been listening to Meet and Write. For more episodes and resources, make sure to check out CoptaKimsInEnglish.com.